we are for the Bible podcast for the 20th Sunday in Ordinary Time, this coming Sunday, the uh, 20th, I believe, uh, uh, of August. And thank you for your time. Sure. And our readings today are short, but really powerful. So uh, we're starting with Isaiah, right? Yes, yes. So we're in the second half of the book of Isaiah. So the, the, the context would be that the Jewish people, they'd been warned, but they uh, didn't listen. And so they've been taken off into exile into Babylon in 587 BC. This specific passage probably means they're still there or they're just about ready to come back. But the context makes it all the more shocking because all the readings are going to talk about, especially one theme of the universality of God's offer of salvation. And so, you know, it begins by saying, you know, talking about God's salvation is justice. But then it says the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord ministering to him. Later on, they're going to call they're going to be called becoming his servants. This is shocking because they're being um, subjugated by foreigners at this point or just got released uh, in Babylon, you know, modern day Baghdad, that area in Iraq. And you would think they would have just developed a hatred for foreigners. Right. And yet they're using even priestly language that once they come to the Lord, they'll be ministering him. And the word that they use for servants or servants of the Lord is sometimes it's used sometimes in used Jewish uh, priests yeah. as well. But then it says, all who keep the Sabbath free from profanation holds my covenant. He seems to be saying, the Lord's saying through Isaiah, that he's going to be offering this gift of salvation to anyone who's open to it. And yet this is coming as revelation to the Jewish people right when they're suffering from foreigners. So just amazing. Continues on that he'll bring them to my holy mountain, my house. Now, my house in the house of the Lord in Hebrew literally means the temple. It's the phrase that they use. So it talks about uh, make, make joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar. The burnt offerings and sacrifices of the Gentiles. This is shocking. And then it finishes up the final punch for my house. The temple shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Now, this would have set, set us up perfectly for the cleansing of the temple, but that is just not going to be the way it's going to be focused on this Sunday. But the Lord's going to quote that passage when he's in, you know, if you picture the temple and you go to the Temple Mount today in Jerusalem, and it's like, you know, four football fields. I don't know if that's exactly, I'm just estimating, but it's huge. And so they had the, the court of the Gentiles or the outer court. This is where they were changing money. You had to get rid of your supposedly unclean uh, Roman shekels or Roman currency and receive a temple shekel, which was worthless outside the temple. Um, in order to offer your sacrifice. And the Lord sees this, and it's really cluttering up the area where even the Gentiles were allowed to come in. At least they could get that close in the old dispensation to God. And it, it makes Jesus upset, right? That, you know, he wants, eventually, he's going to, of course, give access to the Gentiles completely. But but anyway, this reading also will prepare us later on for the gospel. Now, may I ask a question for this, for the uh, Babylonian captivity, when... Uh... Had the temple been destroyed or, or left intact? Yeah, so th this is the the, se the second temple period. Um, and that's a good question. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry, it was, I sort of blanked out here for a second. Yeah, the temple has been destroyed, right? So they're going to have to rebuild the temple. In fact, when they come back with Ezra and Nehemiah, once the, once the Persians, you know, the modern-day Iranians, that area, once the Persians and Medes take over, 
They have a slightly more um, enlightened way of controlling people. They would have these different satraps or um, uh, these different provinces. So they would let the people worship the gods they wanted to worship as long as they paid their taxes, essentially. So he lets them go back. Cyrus, it, it's always shocking. Cyrus is, uh, you know, the the emperor, you know, of, of the Persians at the time. And he's a, he's a Gentile, and yet scripture refers to him in Hebrew as my anointed. Well, anointed is the word for Messiah. What is he saying? That That's like really to almost gall the, the Israelites that calling this Gentile my anointed because the Lord is going to use him, first of all, to purify them, but also to allow them then to return to Jerusalem. Then they do return to Jerusalem. They build that second temple. It's not the temple of Solomon. And they say that the older people, after nearly 70 years of captivity in Babylon, you know, they would have been five or 10 years old, maybe when they left. And now they're 75, 80 years old. They saw it and they broke down weeping. They just said it, it was nothing compared to what it used to be. And of course, we still see it was pretty huge, right? Um, but yeah, so, so at this point, they get back. Jerusalem, the temple's been torn down. Jerusalem is devastated. Most of the people didn't want to return. It's just going to be a small remnant of the people that were left over from having left. Right. Judah. That's 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 why I asked, Father Kevin, just because this is remarkable. He's referring to the temple that has not yet been rebuilt, but the the you know they will be offering prayers in it. It's really really remarkable. Right. And right. then I think the 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 responsorial psalm, the connection to this is pretty clear, right? Yes. I mean. The, it's going to echo that Psalm 67. I, I didn't even count up all the times it either says all nations, the nations, the peoples, the nations, the peoples, all the peoples, all the ends of the earth. I mean, he's hammering it home, right? I mean, and the church loves to bring this out because even while some of the Jewish people continue to think like we're the only ones, if we're the chosen people, we're the only ones, and they would even despise the, the non-Jews, the Gentiles, God was still working through that almost maybe they didn't even realize it in some of the prophecies and songs that eventually his salvation is going to be offered to all. And I would say that's why the church is called Catholic, right? It's uh, salvation is offered universally. Yeah. Now I don't, when I don't know, usually the, the Pauline reading is not connected, but to certainly to my eyes, this seems connected, right? Um, so, but it, it's also right? difficult. You're right. Yeah. You couldn't get it more connected, it almost seems. So you're right. Usually that second reading is just going to go on in its own plane, its own direction. And it's going to be a sequential reading, usually of a letter of Paul. And that's what we've been doing with Romans. But we get to the point in his letter when he's speaking about the Gentiles. And he says, I've been sent to the Gentiles. I am the apostle to the Gentiles. Right. And then he says this beautiful thing. If you think about it, it takes a while to sort of reflect on it and unpack it and understand what he's saying. He says, I glory in my ministry in order to make my own race jealous. Because it's going to upset the Jews that he's saying that the Gentiles can be saved. But he says he's doing that so that he can thus save some of them. And then, just incredible, to me it's very beautiful, for if their rejection, meaning the rejection by the Israelites, the Jewish people, is the reconciliation of the world, meaning because they've rejected the, the gospel, Paul and others are now going out to the Gentiles to, to announce the gospel. So if their rejection is brought about such a good, just imagine what their acceptance will do. Imagine someday when they accept the gospel, it says it'll be life from the dead, right? And then he continues on. Again, we, it's the context of the Jews and the Gentiles, but it's a beautiful phrase. I've been used in many contexts. I especially remember John Paul II when he made his first trip to the United States in 1979. I was a teenager 
and he went to Philadelphia, spoke to the priests and seminarians, and he, he, he quoted this, because at the time we'd just come off of 10 years, uh, in about 10 years since the 1968 after the council, about 10,000 priests in the United States had left the ministry. And he said, for the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. Now, of course, he's speaking about the gifts to the Jews, but I mean, John Paul applied it in a secondary sense to a priestly vocation, or we could say to the vocation of all of us. Now, if, I'll, if you'll allow the digression for a second, I still remember powerful phrase he said then. It always has stuck with me. He said, the God who once wanted to hear yes does not now want to hear no. I mean, just beautiful. It was a time that he really started to help patch up some of those wounds of just the hemorrhaging that the church was doing. It's not like it's ever stopped, but it certainly declined very, very dramatically after that at the beginning of his papacy or with his papacy. Continues on, just as you Gentiles once disobeyed God, but now you've received mercy because of their, the Jews, disobedience, the disobedience of the Jews. So now they, the Jews, have disobeyed in order that by virtue of the mercy shown to you, the Gentiles, they too may receive mercy. And then he just finishes up by just, again, beautiful. For God delivered all to disobedience that he might have mercy on all. I mean, that's that's already presaging the um, divine mercy uh, devotion that, you know, the Lord, it, it's so much who he is, that he is love, pure, unselfish, merciful love, that he so much wants to pour out his loving mercy to us that he could even allow us to go through some of these other things. I mean, the, the, the vantage point of Paul is just incredible at this time, that he's saying, you know, God writes straight with crooked lines. If he's allowing any of this to happen, it's just so that he can pour out even more mercy later on. That's how important his merciful love is. And to me, just beautiful short passage we have this Sunday. I agree with you. It's staggeringly beautiful. And now we come to Matthew 15 and the uh, the visit to the region of Tyre and Sidon and the Canaanite woman, which is one of my favorite readings. We actually had it at Mount Morning Mass earlier this week. Um, so this this is clearly related, right? Um, yes, and I, I would almost say, thank God we had the first two readings to prepare us for this shock that's going to come in Matthew 15, because Jesus has withdrawn to the region of the Gentiles, Tyre and Sidon, and behold, a Canaanite woman, excuse me, they hated the Canaanites. If you look back in Deuteronomy, they didn't have a single good thing they could say about the Canaanites. So, I mean, this would have reverberated to a Jewish Christian hearing this or in the first moment when it happened. Then, of course, as the gospel is retold, finally written down and then, you know, re-proclaimed. Re so he, a Canaanite woman of that district comes and says, using a messianic title, calling Jesus son of David. We have that amb ambiguity of the word Lord, you know, of course, from your, you're an expert in Greek that, you know, Kyrios could mean Lord or Sir or Mr. So it's a delicious ambiguity. You could have just called him Sir. Of course, after the resurrection with the New Testament, after Pentecost, we understand the Gospels that there's almost a hint, even from the beginning of a deeper meaning of Lord in the divine sense. Have pity on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter's tormented by a demon. Jesus doesn't even answer a word to her. How rude we think as Westerners today, right? How could he, right? Um, we continue on, it's going to get better. So the apostles say, like, will you send her away? She's she's embarrassing us. She keeps calling after us. She's, she seems like she's a little bit crazy. She's a little bit off. And 
And then he says to them, like, almost like you're right. He says, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The Lord comes and then again does him homage uh, and comes closer to him. It almost seems the description saying just simply, Lord, help me. And now we get this, this phrase that I would say, if, you know, we were to say this today, you know, there'd be letters to the, the chancery on Monday morning, right? If we said this in a Sunday homily to someone, it is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. I mean, what did that do for her self-esteem? You know, I mean, we in the in Western culture, were just like, Lord, you're not supposed to talk that way, right? And then she comes back with this disarming response. Please, Lord, for even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table of their masters. There's something beautiful and mysterious going on here, right? You know, if we just read this through our 20,023 uh, Western mentality, um, we're going to say like, gosh, how, how harsh Jesus was. And yet Jesus is going to something deeper. He's elicited a great act of faith from this woman. And he says, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done to as you wish. And, for, and a woman's daughter was healed from that hour. So we've had three readings, one piling on top of the other about Gentiles and the gift of salvation. It's offered to all, but that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. You know, I whenever I preach, I always say, you know, half tongue in cheek, but half literally, like how many of you are Jews, by the way? You know, even, you know, ethnically descendant um, from the Israelites. Uh, you know, the interesting thing, they, they did skip some verses from chapter 11 of the book of Romans. Paul is talking about um, the, the olive tree, he talks about like the, 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 um, the wild olive branch, meaning the Gentiles has been grafted onto the cultivated olive tree or branch, which is the Jewish people. But Paul's vision seems to be that because God made a promise, and he always keeps his promise that he was going to offer salvation to the Israelites. And because 10 and a half of those tribes were uh, um, exiled and disappeared in the uh, exile in Assyria when the north fell. And then the one and a half tribes that were exiled to Babylon, the majority of them didn't return. That to put it in modern terminology, their DNA has now been mixed up who knows where, right? And so we all might have one or 2% of Israelite DNA in us. And God is just so doggone faithful to his promises that he says like, well, okay, then I'll save them all. You know, if that's the way, if that's what I got to do to get, I mean, I'm being a little facetious here, but this is almost Paul's theology. He says, God is so good and faithful to his word that if it's necessary to fulfill his promise to offer salvation to everyone, including us dogs, then so be it. You know, he's going to do it, you know, and so it's hard for us to take that uh, phrase, the dogs that they often refer to the Gentiles that way and accept it in humility, because, again, we're we're conditioned by so many generations of, you know, well, we got to can't say anything ever to hurt someone's self-esteem, you know. So um, anyway, just just a beautiful um, meditation, in all three readings and the psalm, for that matter, on the Gentiles, which I assume ninety nine point nine percent of us are that salvation is offered even to us. And in part, Paul says it's been offered to us because the Israelites didn't all accept at the beginning. So we almost have to say, thank God for that. Yeah, amen. Thank God for that. And I liked how you put it, uh, that even for us dogs, I have no hesitation. It sounds pretty good. It makes, makes perfect sense. You know, it's uh, astonishingly beautiful readings. Anyway, Father Kevin, thank you so much for your time as always. And uh, we missed last week because of traveling, but uh, hopefully we can get back into a regular schedule here. And uh, I'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you.